We want to welcome you guys to L3 Perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Glenn Davis. I'm sitting here with my guy, Cameron Macias. It's your boy, Killer Cam. What's going on, guys? We want to welcome you back to the L3 Perspective. My name is Glenn Davis. I'm sitting here with my guy, Cameron Macias. What's up, Coach Cam? And uh, we're excited to have you guys back. Uh, for everyone watching, for anyone listening, uh, very grateful for uh, you guys to be plugged in um, as we continue to provide value through our organic conversations on life, love, and leadership. Yes. Cam, I'm going to toss it over to you. <laughs> I, I, I'm excited to introduce mm. today's guest. Glenn's always excited. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so uh, before we forget, as per the usual, you guys, you know, like, love, um, share, comment, uh, the podcast, you know, we do this for you all, so please spread the word. If there's something you like, something you don't like, please let us know. Um, if there's a guest that you think we should have, let us know. At the end of the day, we talk to people because we want to provide value for you all. And so the feedback we get just makes it even better. Yes. This is about to be an interesting, <laughs> dope conversation. Um, I want to introduce this brother. Uh, I've had the opportunity years ago to uh, be connected through my wife, through their circle. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but Billy Rowe is an individual that I really admire. He's done a lot uh, in the community. He's doing a lot in the world, uh, connecting great men together. We'll talk about that uh, in this episode as well. But uh, Billy, man, I appreciate you hopping on uh, and thank you. And let's have a good conversation. But Billy, Welcome. go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and let, we'll dive into it. Yeah, mm -hmm. man. Well, first off, thank you. And I appreciate it, Cam. It's great to meet you. Uh, looking forward yes, to interacting with you. But um, just a little bit about myself. I'm pretty much an everyday person. Um, I, I don't see myself larger than life. I see myself as a person who was put here with a purpose like many of us were um, and many of us mm -hmm. are. Um, and I'm just trying to live to that purpose. I'm a father. I'm a husband. Uh, I'm a mentor. I'm a coach. Uh, I'm, I'm a business leader. <laughs> There's so many different yeah. things that I'm doing. I'm an author. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just Billy Rowe. That's all that I am. I'm just the person that God uh, enabled me to be with the a heart of compassion for people and a very specific heart of compassion for men um, based mm -hmm. on some of the challenges that I've gone through in life. So that's who I am. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, sitting on a panel with Billy just last night, mm -hmm. right? It's funny how timing happens. And uh, uh, Billy, so you've you've brought some men together to uh, have uh, a platform, a voice to help other men in the world. And, um, you know, I was going to wait to bring this up because, like I said, it's still fresh in my mind <laughs> from last night. That was a dope, a dope conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, what you put together and why you put together why you put it together mm. um what was put together was a space for a community to flourish um for men mm. um the reason i felt like that space was needed is because of like i said i'm just an everyday person living an everyday life and having mm. an everyday experience but i i'm very aware of the connection or the crossover between our human experiences, specifically as men, um, whether that be mm -hmm. dealing with depression, whether that be struggling financially, whether that be um, dealing with anger issues. Like I'm very sensitive to that. Um, and, mm -hmm. and because I can see that there's a, a lack of that space available, especially when you look at like the robust uh, nature of the internet, 
and to see yeah. like there's not a lot of that space where we can as men flourish in um it became mm -hmm. it, extremely important to me almost priority number one outside of my family for me to create that space i'm very big on if i think something is needed i don't wait to i'll look for it and if i can't find mm -hmm. it i'll create it um yeah and so last night's conversation being about a topic of love like men needing love the inherent need that we have as men to receive love and to really understand love for ourselves um yeah that topic for me was just it, it's something that i've struggled with since adolescence it's not a new topic for me um but it's something that i can find that it's like yo we're we've been struggling and suffering in silence for a long time and to even hear one of my brothers who i went to elementary school with still friends with today his family and my family are tight um to hear yeah. that he struggled with suicide and last night's the first night that we're sitting and having that space to have that conversation and all these mm -hmm. years that i've known him I, I wouldn't have known that that's something that he struggled with so um, that's why I created that space. That's what it was a, was about. I seen the need, and I and I feel the need. And and if it's not for me to feel, then I ask God to lead me to the people who are designed to fill it. Mm -hmm. No, I feel that. That's a. Uh, so I grew up. I'm a only child to a single mother. Mm -hmm. So uh, I always tell I you know I always tell people is like uh, I didn't grow. I grew up in a very open space. Like I was very. I was able to like express my feelings. Like I was taught what like love is, you know, I, I, um, and as I grew up, you know, a lot of people would kind of tell me like, Oh, it's so sorry for you. You don't have your father around things like that. And I remember thinking, well, unfortunately a lot of kind of the masculinity that I've seen in a lot of fathers, I'm like, I kind of like the way that I grew up with my mother. Cause there was kind of like this, not that expectation, right? Like be a man, don't cry, stuff like that. Right. Um, obviously, does, there, does a kid want a dad? Of course. Um, but sometimes I'm thankful. I always tell my mom, like, I'm thankful for the way that I grew up, even though I moved around a lot, even though, you know, I didn't necessarily have a father per se, but I had a lot of strong male figures around me. Um, and so as I've become older, like I've been blessed enough to I don't necessarily have a lot of those kind of barriers. I think a lot of men have when it comes to expressing their feelings or mm -hmm. like wanting or needing love, right? Like if I want to be a brat with my fiance, I'm like, look, I need some love right now. Like come sit next to me. I'll put your feet on. Like I need, I need some, some, some contact. Right. Um, but I know that is hard for like a lot of, of men to express. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a, I had an awesome time last night, man. Like just being able to be around other like-minded individuals who were uh, willing to be vulnerable yeah. and be in that space because, uh, you know, as I was sharing with Billy, uh, there's not a lot of times that you have men coming together where you could just be transparent, open and honest, yeah. and also walk away feeling like you've taken something away. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an exercise, uh, Billy, towards the end of it, as he was closing out, it was super dope, man. We were, you know, we were just kind of talking about different things based at closing out. Yeah. And he had brought up exercise uh, uh, Billy, I'm gonna let you let you share that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but what I was telling him, what he's about to say, I was telling him, it made me think like, hey, you know what? I'll be bringing the family together this weekend. Yeah. And we'll we'll be doing this exercise. Yeah. Gotcha. So 
the exercise actually didn't start off as a love exercise. It starts off as an annual exercise that my wife and I do. We sit down every, I'm sorry, every year we sit down at the beginning of the year and we write out what our financial strategy is. What do we want to do as far as our investments? How much do we want to contribute to savings? Um, what do we want mm -hmm. to, the percentage of our income to be to the budget? Like we sit down and we go over these things and then we also have our three and five and 10 year plans for retirement. And um, I'm sitting there in this group of men and we're talking, I know the topic is about love. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we do this exercise annually to make sure our finances are straight. And all yeah. of a sudden there just was like this light switch that said, hey, uh, why are you not doing that when it comes to your love? Like making sure mm -hmm. that your love is in this space of, it, not that love has to be planned, but that you have some kind mm -hmm. of vision going back to what Sean was saying last night, that yeah. you have some kind of vision for what your love is supposed to look like year mm -hmm. after year. Like this year, this is what it's supposed to look like, but also these are what we're looking for in year three, five, 10. Um, and so at the end of it, I was just like, yo, we have, a, we have some work to do. Number one, starting off with what does love look like to self? Like, and that's what we landed yeah. at last night was a lot of this is derived from self-love. But then yeah. to the uh, exterior or externally, what love looks like within our family, what mm -hmm. love looks like within mm -hmm. our friendships, within our relationships, and really building out that vision of what love is going to look like for the year. So that's what, what uh, uh, Glenn is going to be doing. I almost called you Cam, Glenn. I don't know why I would do that. But yeah, but that's, that's what we're, what we're going to end up doing this weekend as well. And uh, I've already talked to my wife about it. I'm big on accountability in the sense of, Hey, look, yeah. I said, this is what I'm going to do. It's not going to, I'm not going to let the weekend pass. And then it's like, yeah. oh, we didn't do it. We'll get to it next weekend. And then eventually it's a new year and you never got to it. So that's yeah. the, the yeah. exercise we'll be doing this weekend. I brought that up because, uh, you know, so last episode, Cam and I were talking about vision mm. and, you know, like casting vision. And then one of the questions he had mentioned or one of the statements he was talking about, like a lot of times, like how often do you hear people talk about bringing the family together mm -hmm. to cast that vision? It just kind of goes in alignment with that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that was something I think. That was so even though, like I said earlier, I was able to like communicate stuff and, and know my feelings um, only within probably the last two years. Did I really understand that, though, is like, what is love to me? Right. Mm -hmm. um, so those that know me know, like, you know, I, I was previously married. I got divorced. And one of the things that happened was neither of us knew how we wanted to be loved. And then once we figured it out, we, they, we didn't it didn't match you know, like, um, and it was, and it was one of those things where it was the perception to my children too. So, you know, I have three children and so, um, with, with their mother. And so I remember, you know, with my, with my fiance now, like we had those conversations. Like, I was like, look, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you need? Like, so that we can figure out if this is going to work because you know we're we're in our 30s like this isn't you know any time to like just date and hang out like right. I, I got kids like <laughs> we doing this we're doing this so let like let's have these like deep hard conversations about what is respect to you what is love to you like all those types of things and um i remember it came to pass when one of my children was said hey i noticed that you and net don't argue like you and mommy used to mm. Um, and I, and, you know, and I said, well, let me ask you this, you know, their mom, she's, she's with someone I said, you know, do they argue? And she said, well, not really, actually. And I said, 
sometimes people are just better at communicating with other people than they are with, you know, with, with each other and stuff like that. And I say, you know, that's what we try to explain to you guys is that it's not that me and mommy don't love you. It's just that together, maybe it just wasn't the best fit. Right. And, and that's okay. And so, uh, but that was something I had to learn and really take kind of self-reflection of is like, what am I willing to tolerate? And what am I willing not to tolerate? Right. Setting those boundaries Mm -hmm. is, it's really, it's really important. And, and, you know, because I've, I've been divorced uh, as well. And in that divorce, I learned, Mm -hmm. it was like, when you feel a certain way, like when you're in, when you instinctually feel a certain way with a person and you know that Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know what it is. That's, that's frustrating me. I forget. Somebody said last night, it goes from something like misery to frustration to, Mm -hmm. uh, something else, resentment. irritation, resentment, right? Like yeah. it, it, that was like the path. And when you know that, that just kind of nags at you at, at the, in the background. Mm-hmm. And so when they do say, hey, can you pick up your socks? Now it's an argument. Why are you always telling me to pick up my socks? <laughs> <laughs> Leave my socks alone. These are my garbage. We'll pick up your own socks. Right? <laughs> Don't worry about my socks. So it, it, it's interesting that, that, Though, like I said, that human that human plane of existence that we live on, where once we get that epiphany and we have that realization that, yo, this is what I'm looking for, and it's kind mm-hmm. of unrealistic to expect this person who I didn't tell in the beginning that I was looking for that to say, okay, well, yeah. now I'm going to provide all of that to you, even though that's like yeah. outside of the deal. So I, I definitely mm-hmm. get that. It's good that you were able to recognize that and, and move forward into a healthier relationship with an understanding of what you were actually looking for. It is. It's very important because, like, mm-hmm. those are things that really, really impact life, mm-hmm. right? And so, again, being able to recognize that, being able to do those self-reflections like we were kind of talking about last night, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to move forward. And because it's not only, like, your choices and your decisions are not only affecting you, especially if there are kids involved. It's, yeah, it's going right. to affect the com- your community mm-hmm. that's, that's, around, uh, that's around you. So, uh, speaking of life, uh, so I know you're originally from Sacramento. Yes. Right from the heights, from the heights, yeah. <laughs> so from Del Paso Heights. Um, as far as life, how did life impact you or inspire you to be the person you are today? Mm. Well, growing up in the heights did help that a lot. <laughs> um, very, very eclectic. Yes, it was a very eclectic experience. Um, <laughs> the, you know, the, the thing that's funny is I remember, um, I grew up literally in, in the Heights. I think I was I was born in like Antelope for two months and then I moved to the Heights. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, I remember when I started attending school, my mother had me go to a private daycare. Um, she yeah. had me go to a very nice uh, public kindergarten. And that's where I really yeah. learned how to speak like properly. And so like, then mm-hmm. I go to first grade in Del Paso Heights. <laughs> and uh, apparently everybody's household was not uh, practicing proper grammar. Right. So my, my mother was really concerned that I'm sending my baby into this school that's in the neighborhood because of convenience and finances. Like mm-hmm. we needed me to go to that school. And yeah. um, the, the challenge was is she thought I was going to be picked on. She was like, they're going to pick on my baby. They're going to eat him alive. (laughs) And so I remember my mom telling me, she said, look, nobody is allowed to put their hands on you. If somebody puts their hands on you, you put your hands on them. And for the next three years, first, second, and third grade, I probably was in a fight every week. (laughs) 
<laughs> every other week, but I was in a fight. And it was like, sometimes I would go to the bullies who were bullying other people and say, no, 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 come and do that to me. Because I got permission <laughs> to change your life. Yeah. Right. Just touch me. Yeah. Just touch me. Just touch me. <laughs> That's all I need you to do. That's all I need you to do. Just one finger and it's a wrap. <laughs> so what that, what that did, though, is um, it, it put me in a, in a space to where I became hypersensitive. I was probably already a hypersensitive mm. child, but I became hypersensitive to the struggles of others. Um, seeing yeah. other people being bullied and being like, yo, like, they wouldn't do that if that person wasn't that person. Um, right. And so another thing that I, I found in that was being in a public school in the Heights, I was ahead of my classmates. And so gotcha. they wanted me to move out of my my class because they they had earmarked, hey, some of these behavior issues that, that Billy's having, uh, that's because he's he doesn't have any work to do because he's done with his work. Um, yeah, and so I was offered to go to like gate, some gate elementary school and oh, yeah. I turned it down. I was like, I don't want to go there. My friends are all here. Like a yeah, typical yeah. child. I'm staying in the Heights. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, are, so, so are all my victims. It's <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> here. Right. <laughs> you know how much shopping milk I get on the schoolyard right now? <laughs> exactly. So I just, I ended up in this space where it was like, I'm going to stay, but all of a sudden teachers knew how to keep me engaged and how to keep me occupied. Mm. And I think from a world perspective, like probably when I hit like junior high and I started seeing other spaces besides the Heights, that's yeah. when my life really began to pivot and turn. I still was making knucklehead decisions, but I was able to go to like UC Davis for five weeks in the summer and do forensic science and do neurobiology mm. oh, wow, and cool. do things like that, that, were pulling me out of the heights and showing me and introducing me to other children who it yeah. wasn't like you're a nerd if you're smart. And even though I was smart mm -hmm. and people, maybe people thought I was a nerd, they also knew that I could fight because I made that right. very clear yeah. that yeah. You, if you yeah. want to fight, we'll, you can get yeah. one plus one equals these two hands. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but that's, that's where, where I, I kind of came from, man, just being in the Heights and was able yeah. to run the streets back then, just be home before the street lights come on. Um, I was a latchkey yeah. kid, had to take meat out of the freezer to make sure it was ready for dinner when my parents got home to cook. Like mm -hmm. those small little things are what kind of groomed me to who I am today, even yeah. whether it comes to how I am as a parent. I'm trying to make uh, that experience for my children better. Um, but a lot of yeah. that foundation is from the household that I grew up in. Nice, nice. What's, what's the for latchkey kid? I've never heard that before. Oh, You're what? In California. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, never heard. I feel like I've maybe have, like have heard it, but I don't know what it means. It's it's gotcha. a it's a kid who uh, has a, their own house key. So in first grade, I had my own house key, meaning my oh what? house key kid. No latchkey. Latchkey. Oh, it because is latchkey. The key oh, latches yeah, yeah. the door. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I was latchkey kid. I was a latchkey kid. Yeah, yes, yes, you were. <laughs> Part of the club. Yes, yes. I'm yeah, like, you said you were a single family, a single mother yeah, home. Yeah. I'm sure you was a latchkey kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Where you have to kind of be responsible for yourself because yep. oh, single definitely. parent at work all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So Not having to raise yourself. So that so that's an interesting point because like even though I grew up like that like so so I had so there's five kids in my house and my oldest Ivy is ten years old. Okay. And um, 
it's weird for me to almost tell my kids that they're being they're trying to be like too independent or too adult Mm -hmm. so like my daughter ivy um she she does help out a lot um but sometimes i have to remind her like yo like you're still a kid like enjoy being a kid right like i used to do these things but i i could do this thing and then go run and play outside like and 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 i could i I had i could change the gear real quick and so um that's one of the things like i try and tell my kids a lot is like you guys have chores but it's not necessarily because i want you to grow up faster it's just that once you grow up you'll be prepared right i still want you to enjoy being a kid trust me i understand that you guys don't want to do it and it's not fun like on the way to school the other day, I let them all get out their gripes and complaints. Like, like one person was like, oh, I, I don't like this. And I said, all right, go ahead and just let it out. What don't y'all like about your chores? You know, maybe we can find a solution to something else right. and, and a different way to do it, you know? And, um, but yeah, I, I definitely bring that upbringing with my children as well. That's good. <laughs> it's, it's enhancing the, the process um, from what mm-hmm. you experienced. And for us, I do believe because we didn't have a whole lot of electronic distraction so you are either in your house playing in your imagination or doing a chore or you're outside playing with your friends there was no i mean maybe there was a tv show you sit and watch saturday morning cartoons but it's like if somebody comes and says hey bro you want to play basketball tv off i'm gone then i'm out yeah i'm out outside until the (laughs) the street lights come on like and the court the the street light by the basketball court comes on before the one by my house so i last shot boom and i gotta run all the way to the house before the next one comes (laughs) on but i got it so uh, yeah. it, it, it is interesting, but I think I think from the perspective of our, our our children and their experience today, it is important to kind of keep some of that balance for them to to help mm-hmm. them be children. Um, but even yeah. with my with my children, I tell them I'm like, hey, look, I'm not a helicopter parent, meaning I'm not going to hover yeah. over you to make right. sure you can do the things that you already know how to do. When you know how to do something, I'm going to hover away from that and allow you to mm-hmm. operate in that space. And it doesn't mean you're going to get it right all the time. You're going to load the dishwasher right. with food in it. You're going to put right, yeah. your, all your clothes in the washer at one time. Like you're going to do these things, but you're going to learn. And eventually when you're no longer in my household and you're in mm-hmm. your own household, you're going to know how to do those things without somebody having to hover over you. Yep. That's then. You're talking leadership now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, from coaching, coaching. And, and it's funny because I don't know that enough uh, enough of parents really view uh, raising kids as, as a leadership. Mm. Right? Like, how, how, how do you, how are mm-hmm. you, I mean, because you're coaching them through process. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. If you want them to be effective, you're coaching them through the process. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's washing dishes, at first they don't know how to wash dishes. So yeah. You gotta coach them through that process. Like you, you were mentioning about like not. I'm not a parent that hovers over you. I'm going to show you. I'm gonna guide you. I'm gonna coach you through the process, and then I'm kind of, I'm gonna shift left a little bit, and then to expand your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you were saying that, the word leadership just kept standing out to me. And so, uh, I know earlier you had mentioned uh, as far as author. Mm-hmm. And I felt like as I'm reading your book now, by the way, thank you for sending that out to me. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Not only does he have a book, he has a journal that goes alongside of it to mm-hmm. where you can actually take pauses in the book, do some self-reflecting, which again, I feel like not enough people do. No. So it encourages you to stop, think about what you just read and to kind of write down your thoughts, your input, your feelings, et cetera. And so I want to kind of transition into that while we're talking about leadership, because I feel that part of what I'm getting from the book is that, hey, here are some practical principles on how you can actually be successful in a sense. 
All right. And so as a leader, mm. that's important because you're impacting people, you're impacting your readers. So can you just kind of take a second? Um, you have a, a, a book, you launched a book uh, called Fire Your Job, Hire Your Passion. Can you talk about that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> where to start with that book? First off, that book, <laughs> yeah. that book was a long time coming for me. Um, I've had plenty mm-hmm. of people, hey, why, aren't you, why haven't you written a book yet? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But when I got to the space that was trying to write the book, the flow was amazing for that book. Mm-hmm. But that that book, when a lot of people hear the t- title, Fire Your Job, Hire Your Passion, they think immediately, oh, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to make money doing all these <laughs> different things that are my passion. And I'm like, that's not really what the book is about. Like, if I were to, like, yeah. replace words in that title, it would be fire your distractions mm-hmm. and hire your areas that you have focus and influence in. That's what that book would really be about. It would be about those things because as we remove distractions, we allow ourselves to have bandwidth to do the things yeah. in life that we want to do. That's why the very first chapter of the book talks about, yo, yo, you got a job to do. Like at the end of the day, we need money to make these lights come on and this internet to work. Yeah. So I have a job to do, but what am I doing to make that job not cause so much pressure in my life that it takes priority over things that it was never meant to take priority over Mm -hmm. um and so from the book's perspective it just it just walks you through from that all the way to the end it walks you through how do you begin to reconnect with the things that you're passionate about how do you begin to reorganize your life in a way to where it works for you instead of works against you and so like in our mm. household, that's why we have a financial strategy meeting annually is because we want to make sure that we're in balance with what our goals are. My goal is not to work forever. I, look, I told my wife, I have 13 more years of work to do and wherever <laughs> I land financially in 13 years <laughs> will be the path we take. But I'm yeah. planning and strategizing things. So we buy real estate, we make investments, um, we, we save money. Our budget right now is about 38% of the income that we bring into the house. That's like our expenses, 38% of the income that, that we bring in. And some of that even includes saving additional money. So those things, that's what the book really is about is to kind of act as this guide along from from the perspective of experiences that I've had in my life. Um, and, Mm -hmm. And, and there's a lot of stuff in there that's like, just things that I don't think you would typically tell people about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm the lesson to me is always bigger than the shame can ever be like, yeah, yeah. If there's some shame in my story or there's something that's embarrassing in my story. The one thing I know is that I'm writing from the perspective of Billy in the future at 42 years old. I'm not writing mm-hmm. from the perspective of Billy at 28 that 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 person mm-hmm. was not a person that I wanted to be hence I changed from being that person <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so sure. so that's what what the book really is about it's it's about helping people reflect inwardly more frequently and in a manner that is structured that's why there's a journal so that you can write kind of mm-hmm. what you're hearing mm-hmm. and what you're discovering about yourself along the way and when you get to the end of the book i'm not gonna ruin it but when you get to the end of the book you'll understand why there have been so many exercises to get to the exercises to get to this pivotal point where now you have to make a decision and it's not mm-hmm. quit your job just spoil alert it's not <laughs> quit your job. we'll tell you that about the <laughs> 
Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing that, man. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So where does first row come from? Ah, so when I was younger, uh, about 18, 19 years old, I had a business mentor um, who taught me very early in life. He said, you know, Billy, we were in network marketing. He says, the people who sit on the first row make the most money because there's no distraction between Mm. them and the person providing the information. Um, Mm. And so outside of the money aspect, it was the information. There's nothing in between you. You get the raw information from that source that you're gleaning it from. And so, um, I don't know, I think in 2013, 12 or something like that, I started really expanding into like inspirational speaking and coaching Mm -hmm. and mastermind groups and things like that. Um, And first row kind of fell in my lap. Uh, My last name is Row. Mm. Um, And I decided, okay, I'm going to do a podcast and I'm going to do a Wednesday work. And it literally was me going live on Facebook with my cell phone in front of my face, about five to seven (laughs) minutes of a video moving on. Um, And over time, it was like, okay, I kind of need a name for this because I'm just doing this Facebook thing, but I need a name. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, do I want to associate it with my role? I don't want to call it Billy Rowe. Like, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, But then Mm -hmm. I thought about that mentor and how he said this information, how when there's no distraction in between you and the information, you glean the most. And I was like, Mm. first row fortunately my last name is row but first row yeah and even if my last name wasn't row the name of this probably would have still been first row because that's how okay. i see information you're literally having like you're in my basement right now there's there's yeah. nothing in between me and you there's no facade or anything going on it's mm-hmm. the real me that you get when you're interacting yeah. with me and that allows me to share as much of my experience as possible to be transparent and vulnerable as possible so that you can glean yeah. the information that you can glean from my experiences and send your information back to me so that I can learn from you along the way as well. Mm-hmm. I still dig it. So, uh, so as we, as we kind of wrap up, Glenn always has a question. <clears throat> he loves to ask our, our guests. So I do, I do, <laughs> I do. Uh, I, I love it. So the L3 perspective, life, love, leadership. That was my lean in. Yeah, yeah. That was the one lean in. I I wasn't going to say that. Life, love, or leadership. (laughs) Um, Pick one of those three and share something that's on your heart so that our listeners can kind of hear. If you had to to, uh, close this out and share something on one of those three words. Well, especially after last night, it's definitely going to be love. Um, (laughs) Because I feel like love is the source to life and leadership it's really hard to mm. lead somebody if you don't love them you'll lead them astray because you won't do yeah. even even intentional unintentionally you'll lead them astray because you don't mm. love them enough to do the research to get them in the right position you just go oh, best guess is this good luck um yeah. life mm. it's really hard to live life without love i told I, last night the example i used was you could say billy i'll give you a billion dollars and you'll live for the next 30 years but nobody will love you i wouldn't accept that mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take oh, that. Yeah. And so it leads me to love being super important to everything that we do because a lot of men, a lot of people prematurely take themselves out because of the lack yeah. of love. And there's mm-hmm. something about love, like 
beyond the feeling of love. Oh, I feel it in my heart or it feels mm-hmm. nice to be loved. There's something, there's a confidence and a surety that comes with love that especially mm-hmm. self-love, once you love yourself, it doesn't matter yeah. who likes you. It doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter what people think about you because that love component will carry you through all of that. Um, and so yeah. for me, if I had to pick one, I would say it would absolutely be love. Um, life and leadership are are important, but I would not say equally yeah. important. I love it. Speaking of love, I, I love it. it. <laughs> I, I will say this was a conversation that really reminded me that regardless of where you are in life mm-hmm. or regardless of the situation that you're currently in, your situation doesn't define your destination. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here you have who was once a young man in Del Paso Heights, California, you know, a certain individual who has morphed into uh, a, a great man, a great father, a great husband who is impacting so mm-hmm. many people. So with that, Billy Rowe, first row. <laughs> I appreciate you for tuning in, man, and and connecting with us. Uh, To all of our listeners and watchers, uh, pick up that book. Pick up that book. Uh, I'm I'm a couple chapters in, and it's making me do a lot of Mm self-reflecting. And I'm doing it not necessarily just for me, but more so because of the people I impact. And so with that, Cam, you want to close this out, brother? Well, first, tell people where they can find you. Oh, absolutely. That's why, that's why I'm co-piloting. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on YouTube. Any, pretty much almost all social platforms um, at firstrow.com. Uh, you can find okay. me. So it's one S-T-W-R-O-E, all one word. Um you can find me anywhere. I mean, you could just put it into Google. I'm sure you'll be able to find me. You could you could actually now finally put Billy Rowe into Google and find uh, the book. You can find also my my social media handles there. All right. Well, hey, as per the usual, guys, you know, like the episode, share it, uh, check out Billy's book, um, and then you know, let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Let Billy know. Hit reach out. <laughs> Other than that, we appreciate you guys uh, rocking with us for another week, and you guys have a good rest of your day. Peace.